Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. No city or house divided against itself will stand. Matthew 12.25 Division, deception, misinformation, mistrust. In a nation where so many in the faith are wondering how we got here, and many question if there's any way to reconcile, we bring you a space designed to ensure that truth reclaims the fringes, open, honest, and real. No filter. Nothing is off limits. Nothing is out of bounds. This is Two Americas, One God. Dana Shay Smith, welcome to the podcast. How you doing on today? It's Williams, but I'm great. How are you? I have a friend named Dana Smith. <laughs> the second it flew out my mouth, too, I was like, Dana Smith lives in Atlanta, Georgia right now. <laughs> she was a former co-worker of mine uh, years ago, and I was like, how did that just, never mind. Hey, I got the Shay right. Anyway, yeah, so yes, how are you doing on Off today? To a great I am, start. I know, right? I know. <laughs> hey, listen, it's you know, good. we're real organic Williams is here. very difficult for a lot of people, so. Oh, know. it is. You're yeah. right, 100%. Mm-hmm. Williams is definitely not a common yeah, name by any right. means. Right, it's very right. abstract. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> since we're doing this on, on, on today, it's okay. All right, that's cool. I'm here with Pastor Jordan White. And... <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Dana, we are definitely glad to have you on the podcast, friend. Thank you for coming and hanging out with us and having some conversations uh, that I'm pretty sure uh, some would love to hear and maybe some not so much, but it's all right. We're just glad to have you. So what's, tell us a little bit about yourself, madam. What, well, what, what are you doing? I am very happy to be here. So I am a pastor here in Virginia Beach at New Life Church. Say it one more time. Pastor. Past. Dana. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> and I am also a podcast host. I have a podcast called Real Relationship Talk, where we get into all kinds of fun things about marriage and intimacy and all of those wonderful topics. And um, I'm a marriage coach. And so I love what I do. It's interesting because as a pastor and as a coach, r- really, I have the same purpose. And it's really bringing people to God and, and helping them to build intimacy with one another. Mm, that's good. How long have you been doing that again? I've been pastoring for about three years mm. and I have been coaching for officially about the same time, about three years, but unofficially for probably close to 10. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds probably You always do it before you do it. Right. Yeah. I you always do it for free. And then you're like, hmm. <laughs> can I monetize right, this? Right. I don't really <laughs> like this setup too much. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. I'm thinking about all the things I can monetize on now. Boy, I've been doing it for like, what, 10, 15 years. Yeah. People will be mad, but they'll also pay for it. Excellent. So we are definitely glad to have you. And on today... Uh, and this will probably be a, a frequent thing, friends. We will discuss topics and not necessarily make it a series per se, but we just wanted to have the gift of her insight up here to help you guys out. And so we're really going to keep it organic, but we've got a couple of questions that we do want to ask her. And she has some stuff that she wants to talk about on today. So why don't you bless us with the thoughts that are on your mind right now? Right now, right? right okay. Now. Uh, so, aside from dinner for tonight, that's all my fault. 
Well, it's funny because when I walked in today, these two cats came running toward me. Yeah, and they I did. Have they did. The the yeah. most crazy cat phobia. There's a name for it. I don't know what you probably know. The it's I like, don't know because I because like, like, I'm clearly not scared of cats. Yeah, I own them. You so, don't yeah. mind that. And no. then they have a cute little cat door. I think I was <laughs> traumatized do, yeah. <laughs> as a child. I literally have memories of this babysitter that I had, and she had all these cats. And something must have happened with me and the cat. So I had my A game on. And then I walked in and I was like, it just all went away <laughs> immediately. <laughs> I mean, it was it was weird. The cats like started charging from one room into the other room that Dana just happened to be walking into. My cats are not aggressive and they're just like, whoa. And then they, of course, did basically like a yakety sax on the floor trying to skid out. Yeah, it was um, it was a good intro. Yeah, it was good times. It was good times. Yeah. Really good times. Yeah. yeah. Those phobias definitely come from childhood. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. of them. They're embedded for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Phobias and, well, I guess I won't get it. Even though I was going to bring that up on the podcast at some point, oh, <laughs> phobias right. and fetishes all come from childhood probably. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Just put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Glorify his name. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, Danny, you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Okay, uh, but yeah, so uh, I believe that you wanted to talk about uh, women in the church mm-hmm. and specifically something that we probably do not approach often, and it was a word, and that word was... Objectification. Oh my. Mm-hmm. Oh my. Yeah, so this all kind of started, my son, so I have four kids, the oldest is 23, almost 23, they're all turning like their next ages this year, so I'm trying to keep up. How is that possible? Because you're you're like 35. Oh, it is, right? (laughs) I mean, I started like when I was eight. Oh my gosh. But no, so yeah, I've got an almost 23-year-old and then the youngest just turned 13 two days ago. And so I'm talking to my oldest son and we're listening. He's like playing some song and I'm like, I just can't, I cannot listen to this music today. Like I just cannot <laughs> do it. And I'm not approved. Like I love music, but I'm like, what well, no, are we even listening to? It's horrible to? off the jump. It, mm. You know, modern music. Is, yeah. I'm like, is, is what trash. is this? Who decided that this is qualifies as music? So we started this whole conversation about, you know, women being objectified in culture. And then it spiraled into this conversation about, you know what? They're also objectified in church. And in Christianity, <laughs> yeah. and I don't hear anybody talking about this at all. So I thought I would bring this conversation to you too. Yeah. And oh let's my. talk about it today. Okay. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, we've been, quote unquote, a Christian nation, right? Mm-hmm. That's, what they, that's what they've called us for, yeah. for quite some time now. And yeah, since if, the 1950s. Yeah. And yeah. If, if this nation objectifies women, then it's pretty easy to say that, Christian culture must be doing that as well if, if we're responsible for a lot of the culture and what's acceptable. So it wasn't uh, surprising to hear you say you want to bring that up. And I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can go because of justification can be, <laughs> hence, hence why I said the F word earlier. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Right. Because I, I do think about this in ways when Christians tend to make everything hypersexualized by not making anything sexualized. It's like suddenly, you know, when you're six years old and, and you're told that people aren't allowed to show their ankles at church, suddenly you have an ankle thing when you're 21. That's why I'm saying this. <laughs> these things happen, that's right? True, like that's, that's where true. it comes up. So to bring it full circle, I wasn't just making a offhanded remark like I often do. I actually had some thoughts about that. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you did uh, yeah. beyond a shadow of a doubt. So it's, it's all about ankles for you, huh? Well, not for me particularly. I would never disclose my own fetishes around here. That would be too sure. vulnerable. But 
Uh, I do think that, I mean, I often say like, why is the church so repressed about everything? Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. We're repressed about so many things. And I think it only makes things difficult for especially youth to like figure that stuff out. And that's what's happening right now with, I mean, a lot of these laws that are being passed, you know, and on education things like, don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. We can't bring this up. Oh, okay. So now what do you do when you're, kids 18 and they haven't heard about anything, been exposed to anything and they're just sent out into the world. And, you know, I guess that's a larger thing, but a lot of that is wrapped up in how the church and how men try to control and look at things, uh, you know, with women in their lives and in their churches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've been really asking like, is this really born out of a good intention or is there some really screwy stuff happening? You know, I think of the word purity and that word, of course, has been butchered and you have the whole purity movement and all that. But I think if we look at the word purity as an abstinence of everything, you know, let's not talk about it. Let's not show it. Let's not think about it. Let's not acknowledge that sexuality exists. That's one definition of purity. But the other, I believe, more powerful definition or practice of purity is let's talk about these things. Let's figure out how to operate in culture in our lives with the fact that you might have some attractions, you might have some desires, you might like that doesn't make you impure because we acknowledge these things. And that's one of the things even on my own podcast that, you know, I really wanted to demystify the whole conversations about sex, because Mm -hmm. if you're not learning from it, A, from your parents, which most people are not, and then the church is not talking about it, well, then you can't really fault people for going to the world and worldly systems, (laughs) you know, to teach and to educate about these things. Right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think that uh, I don't think it comes from a a place of good intentions or I mean, if they think I mean, maybe that's how they're they're painting it. But I think it mainly comes from a place of control and manipulation. And, you know, I mean, the church is really, really skilled at uh, guilt (laughs) being weaponized and the amount of shame that can be put on people. And there's there's nothing quite like the shame of you know, that physical exploitation shame that exists. And then it also, it brings into this whole other level of how evil the church makes sexuality or sex in general. And therefore now we have, we've got to, you know, do all this stuff about everyone's either a a racist, a Nazi, or a sex trafficker. It's like, that's kind (laughs) of like, those are the three terrible things now. And I'm not saying any of those things are dismissible, but they can certainly be thrown around now without being really considered. And that a lot of times it it traps, especially uh, younger women, it gets them stigmatized or thought of differently. And instead of dealing with it, we just ignore it. Yeah. And then it blends into the understanding of the church and the roles and expectations of women. And I think that's the the saddest piece of all of this is we're all supposed to be operating in the sense of understanding what Galatians 5.1 says, having freedom in Christ. And not only that, but specifically in that chapter, how it breaks down freedom from the law and the understanding of it. And the law really very closely resembles a lot of these expectations that we're seeing in culture today. And so I love the fact that you were talking about this in church culture uh, because as I'm taking a look at this, you know, it's it's all, number one, it's Americanized. But we, you can talk about that if you want to. I'm going to leave that there. Uh, but the second part about it for me is it then y'all you use the word repressed. Dev. I think of the word suppressed because, you know, if you think about an antisuppressant, 
you know, uh, when, when you're coughing, you want something that's suppressed. But in, in instances like this, we have to be able to let things out. We have to be able to get them on the table and have conversations about them. Just the fact that the church really does everything it can to be a suppressant to a lot of these things. And for so many different reasons, I think that we are missing a great opportunity to actually access the truth of mission and the gospel in this too. And, you know, I don't want to take it all the way down there yet, but, but I think that is where we're at because a lot of these folks think that because you can't hear this in church, you can't talk about this in church, you can't do this in church, can't be this in church, or you can't at least discover how to navigate through this in church, that there's nothing for you in church. And so I think that's a big part of why we're actually hemorrhaging a lot of these, especially young folks and even some older folks, because some folks really didn't get the opportunity to deal with their ankles when they were a kid. <laughs> you know, by the way, I do see you checking out Jamie's ankles, bro. So, you know, lovely just, ankles. Oh, man. No, we're going to make this awkward. Except right, when uh, she was eight months pregnant. Then. Whew. Yeah, you just got to give her a pass on. on that. Yeah, oh, I did. That's what I did. Like, second I did. and third trimester. You just, just, yeah, just, just Mark Driscoll. Yeah, no, she, no, she, she laughs at it, too. No, because it was, yeah, it was, it was something. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good, good. I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear. Uh, cool, cool, cool. So, so obviously, like, objectification is not just simply in, like, the, the physical or uh, lustful eyes of man, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is where, of course, two idiot men will take it. So tell us more oh, about yeah. what your definition about that is, or maybe... I mean, being that you are Pastor Dana, how have have you experienced Pastor that Dana. within the church and within society in general? Yeah, I mean, it's so subtle. Sometimes are subtle. Some instances are subtle, and then there are some instances that are just downright. So I was having a conversation with an older pastor who's pushing 70 years old, amazing man of God, love him to death. And we were having this conversation just last week. And he was talking about how he grew up in the Billy Graham era, where if you were a male pastor, you were never supposed to be alone with a woman at all. No counseling, nothing. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty problematic, though, isn't it? As a female pastor, for example, I need to be alone with male pastors sometimes. There might, I might need to have a meeting with somebody. I might need to be mentored by somebody. And so it's this whole idea that when, and again, I, I, I want to believe that it is good intended, right? That there was some man that was like, you know, we're going to help these brothers out, not send them down the lustful path or what have you. But when you make a blanket rule like that, then what happens on the other side for the woman is that she feels like she's somehow, she's somehow dangerous or she's a threat to be avoided. And so what does that do? That internalizes shame. Something's wrong with me. I'm, I'm a problem. I'm the problem. And I think that that is the unintended, hopefully unintended ramifications, if you will, of that whole kind of thinking. And so instead of saying you cannot be alone with a woman at all, right, that's that, you know, uh, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to deal with it at all. Why not say, you know what, in your job, in your career, especially if you have a denomination that believes in women in leadership, you are going to be in situations where you're going to be alone with women. Here's how to act. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 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 Like, it's okay. And truthfully, like, if we really call ourselves brothers and sisters, like... Look at the person. Yeah, that that list of how to act should be pretty pretty short. Uh, Treat them like like you would any... Anybody else? That's right. Like right. it's not that difficult. Yeah. So come on, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, it's okay to notice. You know, my husband and I talk about this all the time. You know, we were in a restaurant one time, and this waitress walks by, and his eyes, you know, go trailing with the waitress. And I just, I don't find that very offensive personally. Mm-hmm. Like I actually kind of find it funny because 
I'm like, you noticed something. I noticed. That doesn't make me a lesbian because I noticed a beautiful woman walking across the, the hall. <laughs> Debatable. You know? Are you sure? Debatable. I am not. <laughs> are, you, are you sure? Hold I'm on. Sure. I am sure. But the point is, is that, you know, when we when we take these biological responses, right? Beautiful woman walks by. I notice. Then it's now somehow you have a lust problem. Really? Maybe you just noticed something. And so it's okay. Like, it's okay if, if I'm, again, alone with the man in his office and, you know, he might have to be working some things out in his own <laughs> salvation. You know, he might yeah. have to be working uh -huh. some things out, but I'm there to do business. You know, I'm there to have a conversation. I'm there. So I just really feel like when we only put women in the categories of, you know, their physical nature, let alone their educational background, let alone what they bring to the table, let alone their emotional well-being, let alone their spiritual makeup, let alone all of that stuff. The only thing that we see is the physical. I'm like, wow, like we have come too far as a society to still be doing this, yeah. and especially yeah. in the church, the yeah. place where women are supposed to be lifted up and celebrated as whole holistic beings. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, uh, as you were saying that, I was just thinking about, you kind of answered a question that I had, uh, especially back to the purity culture tap. Um, uh, let me know if you've ever heard this one before. Hopefully you haven't, but I'm willing to bet a lot of people have, uh, the, the infamous guy telling a girl, I'm sorry, we can't be friends or uh, let me make it even cheaper. If you wouldn't mind, please don't wear that because it affects me or, or, or my walk. Can 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 you speak a little bit more to the unpacking of that instance? Because it, it amazes me that we're talking about objectification in the church. And I love how objectification looks a lot like somebody not trying to objectify a woman and how that then becomes the awkward setup that uh, I've seen countless times in the church. So yeah, I just, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, I think we have got to teach people, men and women, how to be responsible for ourselves. So if I'm a guy telling a girl, don't dress that way because your dress is affecting me, that's not her problem. That's your problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's your problem. Right. And right. so however she's dressed as a guy, you have to be able to take responsibility for your own eyes, your own thoughts, your own desires, and not put that off on somebody else. And I think for years, that has been the woman's unfortunate plight that we have Born this responsibility to men. We have to somehow protect their, you know, egos. We have to, I love you guys, but you know, we have to protect yeah. your egos. We have to protect your eyes. We have to protect your walk because me wearing a short skirt might just send somebody down a path of sin. Mm, really? My God, right. my God. So what is his responsibility here? You know? Yeah. And so, yeah. And I, and I have unfortunately heard comments like that, you know, growing up in church, as I grew up in a denomination where we were very repressed as women, you know, we, we were always told what we can, what we can't wear, you know, look like this, don't look like that. It was, it was constant. And so you walk around checking every angle in the mirror and making sure, you know, that you're not being a stumbling block, you know, right. for Did you say angle dollar. or ankle angle, um, okay. angle. We're not talking about ankle. <laughs> It's because you can't stop thinking yeah, I'm about sorry. It. This, like, is, this is a oh. me problem, clearly. Yeah. So, oh God, yeah. yeah but it's like, you know, you're so always, I don't want to be a stumbling block. I don't want to be a stumbling block. And no one ever, if they did, we never heard them talking to the young boys in our youth group about how to treat these girls like your sister, right. how to protect them, how to care for them, how to have a conversation with them about maybe they do like sports. Right. You know, maybe right. they don't just like to talk about makeup, you know, things yeah. like that. I think that we just we really have to learn how to bear the responsibility for our own actions. Yeah. And as you say that, I didn't mean to cut you off. Dev. I'm just thinking about what happened last year in light of all this with uh, the shootings in Atlanta. 
people forgot the back end of that. It wasn't just that he quote unquote had a bad day as we all saw in the headlines. It was also the fact that he had spent years in a youth group and apparently one of the main reasons that he did what he did, as they said, uh, was because uh, these women in these massage parlors were a tempter for him. Uh, and he didn't right. know any better way to handle it than right. to take those matters into his own hands and 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 try and take their lives, which which of course is biblical, right? One hundred percent. Yeah. So I don't know. Just uh, yeah. The, the more I think about that, it just it is. It's kind of mind boggling to see exactly how far down a road somebody goes to be able to get to that point specifically. Yeah, and in so many things, there's this hierarchy of power and always the people who don't have the power are always the ones forced to give the concessions, right? So the men are in control. And so it's like, well, the women need to stop doing this because it, otherwise I have to actually put in some work. <laughs> otherwise I have to put <laughs> right. in some effort. Like I remember seeing this, uh, I don't know, it was like a, a video or something about some crazy mom who was screaming at uh, like co-eds wearing yoga pants to class and stuff because she didn't want her boys sinning. <laughs> Like, like what I kind of horrible video. job did you do as a mom <laughs> that you're worried about your boys not being able to control themselves? They're going to assault people because they're wearing yoga pants. Yoga like, pants. it sounds like maybe your parenting went awry. <laughs> but but again, it does come down to the, the things that we just simply won't talk about, you yeah. know, especially as Christians, the things that we won't talk about. And then, you know, and there is that that weird balance where it's like, you know, are there are there things that are inappropriate for people to, to wear in certain settings? I mean, yeah, probably there probably are. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't want to like be the one picking and choosing, but there's this weird line where, okay, well, how, how do we kind of manage all that? If we focus on us and ourselves inwardly first, then we're not just going to let our circumstances or our environment completely wreck us. Mm-hmm. And what do we always talk about as Christians? Well, we need to focus internally and we need to take responsibility. Well, until it's too hard for me to take responsibility. Now it's everybody else's fault. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right, right. right. And I do think that there are some common sense rules, you know, as a woman for me, for example, and most women know, you know that what that outfit is going to elicit, you know? So I'm like, let's not play games here. You know what I mean? <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah. So you talking about thirst traps in the yeah, church. Right, right. right. And so I'm like, so there are some things like you shouldn't wear. And that's just I think most people have common sense and you kind of know that. But the problem right. becomes when somebody else or another entity tries to manage that for you, because right. then yeah. it becomes about something that was never supposed to be about. I remember when I was pregnant with one of the kids. I don't know. They all run together at this point. But <laughs> <laughs> I was literally nine months pregnant, had a sweatsuit on. I was in Walmart, had to like dash in Walmart real quick. And this guy is hitting on me in the in the aisle. And I literally told him, I was like, you really need to raise your standards. Pregnant woman, sweatpants. Come on. (laughs) You can do better. Trust me. You can do better than this. But it's like, here's a man who only sees me as that. Right. Right. And it's it just it's it's frustrating, you know, and then you go to church and you're still dealing with that. Mm -hmm. It's just very frustrating. I think a lot of women. You know, we want to be seen for, yeah, I love fashion. I love clothes and all that. That's great. But you want to be seen for so much more than that. And Mm -hmm. it's just very sad that, again, we women, our bodies have been weaponized in in Christian culture for so long. So I'm going to just play devil's advocate here because this is the thing that comes up from a lot of people who want to keep our current hierarchy in Mm. place. Well, 
it's it's women's own fault. You know, they're the ones doing this. They're the ones who decide, you know, the famous women or the fashion women wear this and then it makes everybody else want to wear it. If you would just stop doing it, then this wouldn't be a problem. Right. So then how do we combat that? Like, obviously, that's a completely bigoted point of view in a lot of ways, because, again, you're blaming your environment. Meanwhile, if you're talking about someone who, you know, is having trouble paying the bills, they're not allowed to blame their environment. They have to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. But if it's affecting me, suddenly now my environment is the problem. It's not me. Mm. <laughs> Talk about it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's it's this whole idea of I heard somebody say something recently. They were like, you know, this is going to be kind of a junkie example. But for women, especially who have daddy issues and then they're being blamed for having daddy issues. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, the same yeah. thing. My God. I think if and we know what our culture is teaching, we know what our culture is appropriating. We know what it's it's promoting. And so why then does the church not say the anti. Why yeah. does the church not say, hey, you know what? We we know that you women are being taught that sexual freedom comes from you almost like self-exploitation. Mm. So we have a different way. We have a better way. Mm. You know, why not teach the opposite instead of, again, blaming the victims of that culture for you know, for walking in that we all, we don't have to name names. We all know like the big players, you know, in our society <laughs> yeah. today and how all of this money is being sent on these BBLs, right? These Brazilian butt lifts and all this, this one person made this thing popular. Right. And now all these folks are like running to that because they see the attention that, that garners, they see, um, the follow my follower counts go up right. on social media. I mean, and right. it's like the church is dead silent, nothing, no one's saying anything. Right on the flip side to help people to help especially young women not just young girls but just young women how to deal with that you know and then again i hate to sound like a you know broken record but then when you come back in the church and it's all you hear is your body your body your body don't dress like this don't look like this don't sit like this you have to put a little cloth over your you know <laughs> over your your dress because the man of god might be up there preaching and might look down at those knees and the whole service is going to be derailed right because we're moving up knees. to knees now well, time out yeah he's dapping his forehead not because he's preaching the word but yeah. because he's getting nervous yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> no and it's actually it's uh it's crazy because what was it um who was it k michelle now has that tv show i don't know if you've seen that where she undid her bb whatever you call oh. it but and half the reason of course was you know the the big reason for the show is because a lot of those folks get that stuff done in the underground and as being very unhealthy and very costly and sometimes costing <laughs> their i mean i'm serious well, no i know welcome to florida oh yeah, yeah, yeah this is very true <laughs> never mind um but yeah and, and it ends up almost costing them uh, and in some cases it does cost them their lives uh for the sake of the image and so you know i just um i want to be philosophical for about two seconds because it just reminds me of one of my favoriteest things as far as these conversations go because everything is always about image and it's never about ownership can we speak to and I, I want the woman's point of view on this i mean it was i can already see this feeling like a man bash when it comes out and gentlemen y'all are resilient you'll, <laughs> well, you'll be good. well we're also idiots and deserve it so it's fine yeah of course 100 yeah. i mean that, that's why I'm, I'm glad to have her come up here and uh, yes yeah just uh slap me in, in the back of my proverbial head please don't do it in the rail but yeah can can you speak to your your understanding of image versus ownership as far as being a woman especially in today's society because i i want to I want you to walk me through what it is to be uh, Pastor Dana Shea Williams. Hallelujah, not Smith. Um, Crushed it. I'm thinking about me, right? You know, I did that. <laughs> nailed it. I nailed it so good. But yeah, so just thinking about everything that you're doing 
And not just that, but you're doing it in a very successful way, qualitatively, in what is a male-dominated field. How do you manage that in the way of being an owner as a, uh, or owning your stuff as opposed to just really doing it the way that a lot of folks, even in the church, still do it today by means of establishing image, whether it be preachers and sneakers or deep V-neck T-shirts or, all right, maybe that one's from the early 2000s, but you get the point. Or just really now the image is I apply or abide by one set of theological standards or I pocket myself in this one theological division uh, where it can only be this and we can only talk about this and we can only preach this and we have to be against this instead of actually really coming to the truth and the knowledge of the gospel. Uh, what is your experience like as far as all of that is concerned as a woman working on her ownership as opposed to just focusing on image? Because image will probably take you down a very, very different path, I, I surmise. Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. You know, I think about, for example, and I'm going to answer your question with an example. So there's a group of black actresses in Hollywood who have kind of formed this alliance. Gabrielle Union, Regina King, mm-hmm. others, right? Viola right. Davis, I could name some others. And for a while, these black actresses were being typecast. They were only playing, you could only play the attitude mean role, right? All of them were playing I the mean, same role. I mean, that's always going to be Gabrielle Union, but I get your point. Right, but she's trying to branch out. Like, she's got a little cheaper by the dozen. She's trying to be more family focused. She's got a kid now, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so she's yeah. trying. Yeah, they're but not it's like, all angry black women. That's right. But that's but all that's they how were they allowed were, to be. That's that yeah. image mm-hmm. that you're talking about, right? That was that box that they were put in. And so how did they, how did these women start breaking out of that box? Well, they started to diversify themselves first. They started to demand different roles. They started to hang around with different groups of people. You see them showing up in different influential circles that maybe they were not privy to five years ago. And so I think on the flip side, as a female pastor, if I allow myself to just be put in that box of image, for example, we've had seven weeks of males preaching, we need a woman. That's not cool. You know, you don't get a woman preacher because you haven't had a woman preacher in seven weeks. You get a woman preacher to preach the same reason that you would get Joe Blow to preach because they have a word from the Lord. Come on now. And so there have been times that, you know, if we as women are willing to say no, no, I don't have a word for the Lord or no, I don't really feel like this is my Sunday instead of just being like, oh, my God, they pick me. They pick me. I'm just going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. You know, that's kind of the same type typecasting that happens in Hollywood. And these women said when we started to demand better wages, when we started to demand that we are not going to play those roles, we want to play these different kinds of roles, their world started changing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if you know, there are women in ministry that are listening today and they're having that question, like, how do I break out of the whole image thing? How do I stop allowing people to objectify me or to put me in this specific box? I think, first of all, you have to know who you are and you have to know what you bring to the table and you have to be willing to say no to some opportunities so that people can look at you as more of a whole person and not just what your gender provides. And then I think diversifying your conversations, you know, before we started recording, you guys are talking about tennis shoes and sneakers and stuff. I'm not a big shoe head. My kids are, you know, so whenever I buy shoes, I literally have to call my children yes. and, and FaceTime them and they will give me permission on whether I can buy that shoe or not. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. My, my son's like, mom, put it down. You are not buying that shoe. But so I have to learn as a woman, I am obviously in large male spaces. So I have to be okay with those conversations. You know, I have to learn things maybe that I didn't learn before so that I'm not just tokenized as some image person because of my gender. 
it's amazing how much all of this aligns so much with what we've been talking about for so long on the the racial issues because too often we you know people think that diversity or equality equate to equity and they they simply don't mm-hmm. so like diversity and equality is getting a woman to go preach but equity is the woman deciding hey i, I have something to say <laughs> and and that's that's never how it goes you know it's always well no it's it's your turn now well what do you mean my turn well well who's deciding who <laughs> right. whose turn it is yeah. like that's where things need to shift and things need to change um, so how do you, being also that you are a, a marriage counselor, marriage coach, so how do some of these things play into that role when you're speaking with, with married couples who struggle with this stuff because of maybe the, the years of history they've had either in the church or outside of the church? Hey, 2A1G fam, this is Jordan, and I wanted to invite you to engage with us, and you can do so so far by one of two ways. The first is by good old-fashioned email. The number two Americas, the number one God podcast at gmail.com. The other is our 2A1G conversation space you can find on FB. Engage, ask real questions. Heck, bleed if you are frustrated. It's all good. We can take it. We just want to support you. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, share, rate, review, all those other crazy things. Uh, But just help get the word out. Hey, thank you, 2A1G family, for your support for continuing to make sure the truth reclaims the fringes. Oh, yeah. So this is where I have to give my, this is not the views of New Life Church disclaimer, right? So I have all these conversations with with married couples. And as a child, there were certain things that I saw in my own parents' marriages and the marriages that were in my church that I just knew inherently that ain't how you're supposed to do marriage. That ain't right. (laughs) I was like six, but I knew that is not how that marriage is supposed to go. And I think that because we have had some inaccurate teachings of, you know, what Paul has taught concerning marriage, that we have a lot of women, for example, who are really dumbing down their strengths and who are not operating in their strengths because they don't have permission, they Mm, feel right. Right. And they've been taught that at the end of the day, you always have to submit to that male authority. Even if your husband has a 200 credit score and you have an 850, you have to submit to his financial leadership. Right. It's like, right. what? Wow. You know, are you crazy? Yeah. So in the in the couples that I coach, you know, I coach strengths. So what are your strengths? If your husband is strong in that, great. He'll lead in that area. If you're strong in that, you need to lead in that area. And I don't have any issues with usually with like secular couples. It's the Christian couples. It's the Christian couples that are like, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, it's okay. I'm not telling you to be rebellious. I'm not telling you that you never submit. I'm just literally saying that in this area, you have a strength here. And maybe the reason that your marriage is failing is because there's no leadership in that area. Not because God is like, I'm waiting for that husband to take ownership in that area. That's not his skill set. That's not his strength. So you're it. You're on. And giving women, first of all, there's no permission needed. Like God has given you permission when he made Adam and Eve and told them together, be fruitful and multiply, take dominion and rule the earth. There was your permission right there. And I always say, you know, so then the fall happens as we know, why are we teaching the curse? Like, why are we so, you know, gung ho about teaching that? You know, I'm just like in the beginning, how God created it is what we need to get back to. And so if you're a woman and and you have been feeling repressed or suppressed or whatever, 
I think it's time for women to understand that permission has already been given for them to lead, that God didn't just give the husband these gifts or these skill sets or leadership, that there are gifts and skills that he has given to you as well. And so you have to own that. You have to step up. And and to be honest, I think that some women choose that that way of, you know, the man always at the head and me just always following because it's scary sometimes to be responsible Mm -hmm. to whom much is given, much is required. And so if I have to really acknowledge the fact that, oh, God has really given me some gifts and skills here, then now I'm responsible to use those. And so sometimes it's easier for me to just deny that they're there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's true because you are now having to put in extra time, extra work. And and you're also probably having to do things that go against maybe other norms, you know, that maybe your peer group is is doing. I, I thought it was interesting you brought up how you tend to deal with this more with Christian couples versus non-Christian couples. Right. And I think it's as a church, like, I mean, I've had conversations just recently about some theology issues uh, with some friends. And I feel like the church and Christians spend so much time trying to solve God. Hmm when we already know God's <laughs> unsolvable, but you know, like gender roles is such a huge thing for the church. Like we must define this so badly. And because we can't ultimately define it, we just spin our wheels and, and it becomes this really kind of bang your head against the wall because you, you can't solve some of these things where the world isn't as focused on solving that stuff. They're more focused on, Hey, you're, you're, a person, you know, you, you, whatever your strengths are, whatever your weaknesses are, here you go. Like when you're in a work environment, but suddenly you enter the doors of the church and it's like, we have men's conference and women's conference and never the two shall meet. And we have married, like everyone is compartmentalized. Everyone is labeled. Everyone is put into some sort of group and everything is just like tried. They try to solve everything. And in some cases, like, can we just be people and just kind of like realize, hey, let, let's all kind of do our best and kind of work toward things and, and focus on our hearts internally as opposed to always trying to solve every outward thing that we have to do because that's impossible. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with that to an extent. I'll offer you just a touch of pushback, but it's all in line with everything you said, though. I feel like what we've done is we've taken this opportunity to immerse ourselves in culture and then push all of that toward faith to see what we can get out of it. Uh, you know, my, I'm, a, I'm a dead horse on this one or beating a dead horse, whatever it is. He, <laughs> nah, whatever. For me, I feel like if you get the entirety of the point of the gospel, then you realize that this whole gender thing is actually a non-issue. Right, right. Here at the end. <laughs> uh, the first thing that I ask anybody who really has a, a real dead set understanding of just wanting to nail down this whole gender role thing is just like, well, it's, it's really, really simple. You have to ask yourself this one question. How did, how did Jesus approach and treat women? Right. And that's probably the way to go. Right. I mean, you know, the, the stigma that's attached to, unfortunately, attached to everything that Paul says regarding women and marriages and things of that nature a lot of that can be cured if you understand the like context and history and culture and, and sociological norms of the time. Uh, we don't have time to get into that conversation today. I know we're supposed to do a big old conversation <laughs> on women way, way back in the day. And we probably still can. And we, we will. I mean, I don't want to talk about it, but I will. Yeah. But, uh, hmm. it, you know, I, it, it's, it's just, I don't know, there's, there's a magnanimous overlay. And I mean, it's huge. 
that if you just looked up, if you just saw the forest through the trees, you'd know exactly what's really supposed to happen. I mean, it's, it's, it begs this one question, and then I'll hush because this is her time. <laughs> you reclaim your time. You Maxine Waters me. <laughs> yes. uh, but no, just real quick, just the question. What is the entire point and purpose of the gospel? Why did Jesus hang on that cross? And, you know, if you break it down to brass tacks, the answer is to restore the understanding of, of, of the garden and the relationship they're in. So now let me ask you this question. In the garden and the relationship they're in, were, were man and woman would was she was she predisposed to having to make his sandwiches and, mm. and fix him some pie on a daily basis? No, no. Okay, so so that's my thinking is we're restoring that sense of equality and equity, and I even think that even in the the understanding of gender roles that Paul set forth, that there's still some equality and balance therein. You just really have to do some careful studying in that, and just know that women are not quote unquote supposed to be silent. You know, I mean, it's as simple as why, why don't we worry about the head covering conversation anymore? I mm. mean, in holiness churches, I'm sure we still do. But, you know, outside of that, though, a lot of the, the broader scope, it really does nail itself down to what we've been talking about this entire time, which is the insecurity of man right. um, pertaining to his position and authority that he, quote unquote, feels like he needs to have over woman. And that has become toxic. And that is what has permeated our culture. And that's why we find ourselves where we are concerning this, even to the point of being able to tell a woman, you can't wear that because it affects me. <laughs> like how strong of a man yeah. are you when, when you make a statement like that? Well, not to promote another podcast, but if they are worried, worried about the head covering thing, they could go to the naked podcast because they have an interesting <laughs> take on that. So, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. Well, you know, we... Oh Lord, yeah, you and and we already talked about ankles. We will not talk about feet on oh. this podcast. But Joe talks about this very issue that you know when people look at Paul and they read these these epistles, these letters to these specific churches for specific reasons. There we you don't go. want to talk about that. There so mm-hmm. when he wrote those epistles, what uh-huh. they failed to realize is that he also co-ministered with probably a dozen women. Right. Mm. And so it cannot be true that Paul says women should never hold authority in church and she should never speak to men because then he's violating his own <laughs> principles there. Yeah. And the reason that Jesus and it literally brings tears to my eyes when I think of how revolutionary Jesus was, that in his time and in his culture, the things that he did very intentionally with women was it was it was for an example for us. Mm-hmm. You know, when he spoke to the Samaritan woman, when the, the woman I mean, think about this, if you're talking Talking about responsibility here. Jesus has this woman who is literally bathing his feet with her tears and washing his feet with her with her hands and her hair. And I mean, that would be highly, highly inappropriate. But he allowed her to do that because he saw her as more than just a sexual object. Right. He saw her heart. He saw yeah. that this was a woman who had sinned much and who had been forgiven much. And so then when you have the Pharisees like, oh, my right. gosh, you know, Come how on. can you do that? Can you? He says to them, what? It's about the heart. Yep. This woman has been forgiven much. And so I love that when Jesus saw these women, he saw them as more than just female. He saw them as more than just women. He saw them as daughters of God. He saw them made in God's image, needing to be 
back to your point about the gospel, needing to be restored back to who they were originally created to be. And I think that if males in the church can take that very same stance, that whether I'm ministering to another male, whether I'm ministering to a female, my job as a minister is to help people reclaim their God-given identity. And, you know, I just think that that's such a worthy goal for all ministers. When I first got into ministry, I never took the route. Again, I'm not going to let myself be boxed in. I can only minister to women. I rejected the women's ministry position director. I don't want to do that. Not because I don't love women, but because I know that God has given me a word that's more than just for women. And then why, right. why do we only have, like you were saying earlier, <laughs> why there's somebody who wrote me yesterday. Are there any women's Bible studies? Well, aren't you interested in just the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I'm, like, I'm not allowed in a room like, with a, okay a man. Is it okay for you to go to yeah, another yeah, Bible right. study that might be some guys there, you know? Mm. Some no, and, and we silly, and we just honestly. we tend to just twist and pervert everything. I I love the story you're talking about where she was, how she was washing Jesus's feet because like that that would be like, whoa, what's happening here? <laughs> I mean, I I'm reminded of Pulp she's Fiction when he's like, well, why why did Marcellus you know kill that guy? Well, he gave his wife a, a foot rub. Well, a foot rub? That's not a big deal. Well, would you give a man a foot rub? Oh, now you're pissing me off. Like, like, so clearly a foot rub is a little more than just, you know, so yeah, that's, uh, and there's so much intention in the Bible. It's, it's kind of wild when you, cause I've never thought of that story that way mm-hmm. and it's intentionally done mm-hmm. and, right. you know, and that's, that's where I get to the whole, we're always trying to solve for everything when something is like a, a living book that is, is it, the book itself is not evolving, but we're evolving around it and through it. And realizing new things every day that why are we always trying to be like, well, at this point in time, we figured it all out. It's like, I guarantee you that when the Church of England came about, they thought that. And then Calvinism came out, they thought. And it's like, so now 400 years ago, we solved it all and we're done like that. I don't think that's how this is working. So, (laughs) no, 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 it's really, really not. As a matter of fact, I was just listening to the latest episode of the Seminary Dropout podcast today with uh, Vince Bantu. And besides the fact that it's wrecking my shop, it brought up some very interesting points regarding that, like even just regarding roles and understanding and how they've been misaligned with culture, even as far back as when 327, when Constantine adopted the faith and, and brought it into to Roman sex. What you didn't see at the time is that there was already a faith in Africa and also in India and also in other parts of, of Eastern Asia, in, in addition to it being grafted into Europe. But Europe, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, you know, might have whitewashed it just a little bit. <laughs> what? Um, and, you know, it's funny because you think of the things that we encounter now and the stuff that we endure, you know, they were labeling people like Origin and them heretics off the jump. Even back then, the same people that we would consider the founding fathers of the faith, even Augustine to a degree, they had issue with. They were killing folks because those who were really preaching truth were not preaching the same thing that they were preaching. And a lot of that even attaches itself to the understanding of what we have today in Christian nationalism. So it's wild to think that we didn't even get through a half a millennia uh, before some of the seedbeds for, for what we have now, um, and of course it speaks highly to the understanding of women as well, uh, became an issue. This isn't one of those things that, you know, it's like kind of snapped and just kind of showed up in art. No, this is something that's been going on since the literal beginning of recorded time. Right. So it's just, it's wild to me to think about stuff like that and then to think that, you know, if, if I'm being honest, this is the quote unquote giant that we face. 
you know, it's a giant that we face in so many different ways. And I'm, I'm with you. Like I wanted to unpack so much crap about women in this, in this, in this one episode, but I feel like we should save it for another time. But let me just say this again, if we're trying to really get back to the garden, I find it very interesting that in the parable of the sheep and goats, there are so many individuals that I can just see right now screaming, you can't wear that. You can't wear that. And they're not bad and they're bleeding <laughs> or <laughs> whatever the case may be. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want to be that judge, but I really do see that the, we talk about reform so much. I feel like this is a moment where we can uh, begin to realign certain aspects of reform with the understanding of how women were approached again by Jesus in the Bible and also how they really are to be treated as the equals uh, that they were meant to be not just in helper because there's a reason why we needed help because <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't do that I, that'll preach and save that for another day but that was the reason that they were created so uh my question to you and i know dev fire has something else he wants to add as well if you're telling us anything right now concerning our current society and dealing with women the objectification of and especially in the church what are you telling us? I'm telling us that we need to get back to the original intent of Jesus's purpose for his humanity. We need to go back to the scriptures and we need to stop trying to make the scriptures say things they don't want to say or that they were never intended to say. We need to also, and I know this is probably heretical for some, but I'm like, look at the world. You know, unfortunately, the world is leading in certain areas and we feel like we always have to be the leader. And and we should, you know, in a perfect world, the church should be leading the, the culture. But that is not the case. And so there are I was reading an article yesterday. I was talking about uh, the 500 fortune company, 500 fortune companies. There's still only about 30 female CEOs. So I'm not saying oh, yeah. that the world yeah. is doing like a stellar job, but at least they're way more advanced than what we <laughs> we are yeah. in the church. They're not opposed to it. Like, right. They're you not. Know, and, it, and, you know, yeah. they're they're about efficiency. You know, and I think that that's one thing going back to you were saying something earlier about, you know, why do we have to categorize everything and why does everything have to be? We try to like box God into all of these boxes. But, you know, I think the world is about what works, what works the fastest. Let's get it done. If you're a woman. Great. Come on. Let's do it. You know, and I think that type of attitude probably needs to be adopted in the church. Like, you know what, sister, you got you got a word for us this season. If that word takes you four Sundays to preach it, great, because we wouldn't have a problem if that was a male that took four Sundays to preach that word. And so I think we've got to get out of this, you know, trying to sanitize and and categorize and making everything so pretty in these boxes and just allowing people to be who God has created them to be. And anyone in privilege, you know, we all carry privilege in different ways, you know, but we have to be willing to set that aside for the other. And so if there are, you know, I look at all these churches all the time. I look at these church websites. And for me, if I don't see people of color represented in that church, and if I don't see women represented in that church, on to the next one. I just, <laughs> I don't have time for yeah. it anymore. Yeah. We are too far along for us to still have 30 white males on staff. That should not be. I'm speaking, sorry. Speaking as a white male, I also <laughs> look at websites the same way. Oh, hmm. Interesting. They all look like me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't need to hear from me. Yeah. I already hear from me all the time. I can't shut up about myself. So <laughs> yeah. I think I, I, something I've been thinking about, because of course, Christians love to find like the, the latest dirty word or curse word or whatever it is. And people in power in general like doing this. Oh, and pastors right now, like their biggest dirty word is, is deconstruction. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's like the, the problem is they're, they're using that synonymously with, with demolition. 
and they're two completely different things, right? Demolition is like destroying something to destroy it for good. Deconstruction is let me take this thing apart piece by piece to figure out not only how it works, how it was built, but maybe to improve upon it or fix something that was, you know, not put together properly. The last 2000 years, the church has constructed something that is then handed to us as Christians. Okay, here you go. This is this is it. This is the truth. This is your faith. Here, here you go. And unless I take the time to deconstruct some of that and understand, well, what is it that I'm actually banking my eternal existence upon? What is it that I'm committing my entire life to? I think I'm allowed to ask some of these questions and go through it. And we were realizing so much of the stones that built what has been constructed of the church a lot of those stones are not God's stones. Right. A right. lot of those stones are, are stones that men put men in there. Right. And when we deconstruct that, we'll, we'll realize it. But that's why a lot of male pastors are terrified of that term because they, oh shoot, they're going to see where I put that stone in. Mm-hmm. They're gonna, and then they're going to want to replace it with something else. Yeah. And then that means I lose power. Mm. And that means I lose control. And they're terrified of that. Yeah, it's fear-based for sure. You know, we were having a conversation before we recorded about you all and your home and how when you moved in, you know, you, you went through this whole huge demolition project. And I think that when you reconstruct something, I love the term deconstructing. When people tell me they're deconstructing, I'm like, that's like, awesome. Like, how like, is that a negative? Amazing. Like, I don't under, like, I mean, they took the term woke and made it terrible. It's right, like, wait, right, right. it's just a derivative of I've awakened to something. Yeah. I've literally had scales removed from my eyes, which right. is biblical. I have, they use awa- the word and awakened. now they're like, woke, it's, we're anti-woke. Oh, so you're anti against like realizing something? Yeah. Oh, okay. So what is the opposite like, of wh- woke? Why is, yeah, asleep? Sleep, dead. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, but I mean, we people love be. to identify mm-hmm. as conservatives. The literal, they're talking about the conservative movement. Ha, that's hilarious. Because the definition of conservative is you you don't move at all. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, with that, it's like, you know, when people are deconstructing, I think about like, I don't know what your house looked like before, but probably there were some walls that are no longer here. Yeah. Right. Because now you realize, whoa, like this is actually a better layout. This is a better way to do things. This room should have never really been put off to the side like that. If that wall comes down, then you've got this big, bright, open space. And so if we're willing to, to get beyond our own fear of what it might look like on the other side and say, maybe this whole deconstruction is going to allow us to see, wow, right. Jesus, how he really right. meant for this thing to look like. And guess what? There were also new walls added mm. because it doesn't just mean, cause that's the other big fear. Well, if we just keep allowing culture to keep knocking down all the walls, well, yeah, I get that. Like there's certain things that we still need to protect ourselves against and be aware of. But it doesn't mean that we close ourselves off, but, you know, we, we can also try to find protections even when we're moving through some of these, these issues that we're facing now with, you know, how do we navigate the way the world is seeing different things and, you know, being aware of those things and, and opening up to some of these things. Mm-hmm. So. Yep, absolutely. And um, shame on both of you because you were talking about all the stones and stuff. I mm-hmm. thought that somebody was at least going to task themselves with whooping and preaching in the end, talking about the cornerstone that, <laughs> the, stone that, that the, the builders rejected. rejected. <laughs> hey. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We were saving that for you. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, Thank you. You worked it right in. I, I did. Yeah. I did. But it was it's just a shame, both of you. You should have just went ahead and taken it. Ah, it's good. Man, Dana, this has been fun. This has been. All see, right. it, wasn't, it wasn't bad. Good. Who thought it was going to be bad? Nobody, nobody I mean, did. Yeah. I don't, I don't nobody know. thought that. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking? It's like, yeah. We, when I asked Dana earlier, she was like, uh, "What's your expectation?" I don't know. Bad. Uh, <laughs> going to be bad. It's going to go horrible. <laughs> 
I, well, to be fair, when she did enter, she almost got attacked by two cats. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, I guess I guess the bar could have been lowered to bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, no yeah. but it, but it was but it was not, and mm-hmm. we're looking forward to this. Uh, yeah, folks, uh, we'll get to her info in just a second, but really excited because this is actually a bit of a partnership. She's going to come and hang out uh, air now and again and right. continue to have more conversations with us. So whenever we want a woman's perspective, we're going to bring her on, whenever right? Whenever I only get permission, then, you only, guys are yeah, going to give me permission? Yeah. Yeah. Whenever every, we feel the time is right. Yeah, every, every, every 13th episode. I yeah. Think, yeah. Uh-huh. I think that's how that's going to work. No, no, I'm But Dana Shea Williams, if people would like to locate you, where can they find you? They can find me on my website. It's DanaShea.com. That's D-A-N-A-C-H-E. Not S H A Y. No. D A N A C H E. And then the podcast is Real Relationship Talk. And so they can find that at realrelationshiptalk.com and everywhere that podcasts are played. Mm-hmm. That's right. Amen. Amen. Well, good. Well, we are very, very happy to have you come and hang out with us. We look forward to more of it. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for listening to all of our rambling nonsense. We know it's not really rambling nonsense, but yeah, it can be sometimes. That's cool. Uh, but please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, uh, all those other things for the podcast, uh, algorithm demigods, suckers. And of course, as always, please don't forget to be inspired to inspire because that is what the inspired one does. And so until next time, I'm Jordan. I'm Devin. And she's Dana Shea. She's not even going to say it. But uh, yeah. Oh, I wasn't always allowed. No, I'm Dana Shea. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. here she <laughs> goes. <laughs> See? See? She's, yeah, she's asking for permission. Whose fault is that? You know, oh. just jump in. That would be mine. Yeah, that yeah, be absolutely. Mine. I was about to say it by now. Yeah. Hopefully you figured out that we don't care. <laughs> yes, no. you are who you are and you'll be an equal. Well, sometimes you're not who you are, like when he calls you the wrong name. But otherwise. Right. That's, that's true. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that wasn't her. So she didn't need to no. respond. There's to a Dana Shea Smith out there, I'm yeah. sure. No, I'm she's sure she's wonderful. Dana Smith. I don't even think <laughs> Shea is her middle name. It doesn't matter. Again, guys, thank you all so much for listening to this God-blessed, gosh-forsaken podcast. And so until next time, we will see you uh, take care of yourselves and, and all that good stuff. All right, peace. 2A1G Podcast is birthed by the Inspired One Enterprises. Executive and co-producers, Jordan Brown and Devin Chandler. Editing and engineering, Lauren Price. Graphics and creative engagement, Alyssa Wise. Intro song for 2A1G done by Dave Hummel Music. Interlude and outro music, Colin Brown. Voiceover experience for 2A1G done by none other than the original, the Reverend Dr. Clarence R. Brown Jr. Thanks, Pop. And thank you everybody else for listening again. Please find us on FB and IG at 2A1G Podcast. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this experience with your world. Thank you once again. And until next time, Please do your part to ensure the truth continues to reclaim the fringes. Peace.